Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Uh, My my name's Elijah. I'm here to uh, bring a word from the Lord. Um, We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, if you'd like to turn there. Uh, Our theme of this year and what we're trying to talk about through preaching through Mark is um, serving our King. Jesus, our King, and we're, um, this is the last, yeah, this is the last week on Mark, um, so hopefully we've, we've learned quite a bit about who our King is, where is he going, what is he doing, and what does it mean to serve him, um, what does he care about, and we, we skipped Mark 10, we came back to the first part of Mark 10 last week, um, Brandon preached on Divorce, um, and this is the second part of Mark 10 that we really wanted to come back to. Um, There's some encounters in this chapter, um, the first of which Brandon preached about, that are somewhat surprising. The way Jesus encounters a couple of uh, a couple of situations are somewhat surprising. They were surprising to the disciples, and I think even though we've had 2,000 years to absorb who Jesus is and, and what the kingdom is like, I think they're, they're still a little bit surprising to us today. Um, you know, and last week as we talked about God's role in joining marriages together, that it's, it's God who does that. God supernaturally joins marriages together. Um, also that God cares about our heart. Uh, God cares about our heart and that our heart and the attitude that we, we take in our marriage is important to God. Um, and uh, so for, for, for those who were here last week, uh, like myself, uh, who, who I was able to watch online, I, I pray that God spoke to you and opened up your heart to hear from him. Um, and what we're going to talk about in the second part of the chapter this week um, is still going to approach, address our heart. And we're going to be listening to Jesus, who's our king. Um, and in, in Mark 10, and in particular, he's also our heart doctor. <laughs> he's kind of showing us what's way down in our heart and showing us uh, what God wants to be there and what pleases God. So, is anybody ready for heart surgery this morning? Did you come, did you come ready for that? So, um, let's, let's pray. Let's ask God to lead us. Lord Jesus, you are our, our king. You are our shepherd. Um, you are a good uh, doctor. And we come to you this morning and lay open our hearts to you. Um, We pray, God, that you would lead us, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would confirm your love for us and your hope um, and your, your plan for our hearts. And we pray that you would speak to us as we read your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read um, Mark 10. So if you, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to start in verse 
17. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, just say nothing. Mark 10. 17. So, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, so Jesus is getting ready to leave. A man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, let's stop there. Let's think about what's going on. So Jesus about to leave. Uh, a man um, runs in, throws himself at Jesus' feet. Good teacher. I'm concerned about eternal life. I'm concerned about my soul. What do I need to do? So before we look at Jesus' answer, we're going to pretend a little bit we haven't heard this story. Before, before we look at Jesus' answer, how would you answer this man? Um, if, if, you, if you were here, let's say, before service, and you know Brandon or, or Saul was up here kind of getting ready, and a man came in and threw himself at their feet and said, what do I need to do? to inherit eternal life. What would you expect that, that they would say? And I think that Jesus' answer is a little surprising, probably, um, to, to us. Because Jesus, what does Jesus say? Jesus says in verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. And so Jesus' response, first of all, is... Well, not, not really thanking him for calling him good and, and re really kind of questioning whether this man really saw Jesus as good, whether he really understood that Jesus was God, maybe, maybe questioning whether the man really wanted to know what he needed to do. We're not exactly sure, but, but Jesus does point out that your, your title doesn't flatter me. The title that you give me doesn't really flatter me. But you know, you know what to do. You know what the law says. And Jesus, Jesus lists the, several of the commandments. So if you know how the commandments are structured, there are the first few structured that really address our relationship and love for God. And then the last few really address our relationship with, with others. And Jesus lists all of the, all of the commandments there that address this man's relationship with, with other people. And he says, this is, this is the commandment. This is, you know, you know what they are. And we're, we're doing this in a little bit reverse order, but we've already heard from uh, when John preached that the summary of the law was really to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You remember that? So Jesus' answer to this man 
what must I do to inherit eternal life is, well, first of all, it's important that you recognize who God is and submit to him. And, and second, what's important to God is that you obey his commandments about how to treat each other, how to treat others. You know, as I was you know, meditating on this, again, I go back to the question um, about whether this would be you know, our answer to someone who was seeking eternal life and how it may be surprising a bit that this is Jesus' first, first answer. But it is, it is important and it ties back to this summary of what does it mean to honor God? What does it mean to love and obey God? Well, if we, if we love and obey God, we're going to love our neighbor. But the man says he's done it. The man says, you know, we don't know, I mean, was this person really perfect since youth? Probably not perfect since youth. But he says, you know, I've done those things. And, and I really wanted uh, just to look at what, what it says about Jesus here. Because these, this, this encounter is, is also in Matthew and Luke, but Mark is uniquely here. Mark actually gives us a lot more information about what's going on and how people feel. But in verse 21, Jesus looks at him and feels love for him. And based on what Jesus says later, I think this is compassionate love uh, because Jesus does challenge uh, where this guy's at, where his heart is at. But Jesus looks at him and he feels love for him. And that's a agape. He feels agape love. He feels this, this holy God-honoring love for this man, a, a selfless love a love that's concerned about what's best for this guy. He looks at him and he feels that. And then he says, and then what does he say? You're doing great. I, I care about you. You clearly honor the law. You're doing great. What does Jesus say? One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. And he looks at him with love. This is the message of love from Jesus to this man. And he tells him there's just one thing that you lack. You've, you've run in here. You've, you've bowed at my feet. You're, you're honoring me. You're asking me to guide you, I am the right person to guide you into eternal life. You know the law, you've submit to the law, but there's one thing you lack. And, you know, this, this one thing, if you read the, it just, is it one thing? I mean, what does he say? What's the one thing? It's like, it's like a few things, isn't it? Like the one, thing, the one thing you lack is to go and sell. So that, that's something. Go and sell everything and then give it to the poor. And by the way, you are building up treasure in heaven when you do that. And then I'm leaving. Come with me. 
So, and I think Jesus, you know, we see that in Jesus's mind, in Jesus's understanding, all of that is one thing for this guy. There's the, there's the one thing that you lack, and it's, you know, how, how would you summarize that? What's the one thing? It's like, it's everything. There's just, one, there's just one thing, like you've done these things, but there's one thing that you lack. It's that you haven't given me everything yet. You have, there's, there's this part, there's this part, there's something you have, there's something about you, something you feel like you own, some part of your life, your, your, your place that you're not willing to give to me yet. And, it, and, and that should ring true if we've looked at the life of Christ because Jesus has encountered many people and he's asked them for that one thing and it sounded different to different people. So the one thing could be, you know, before I follow you, Jesus, I need to go take care of my, my older parents. I need to, um, I need to take, take care of people that I feel a burden to. Um, it could be that one thing could be, well, I'm not really willing to stop fishing. But we see Jesus is ready to, to like open the heart up and go down to the place. And, and we really have to see this is God, this is, he's doing, and, and, I, and I, I love this because in this example, it shows Jesus is he's doing this out of love. It's, we know that he, Jesus loves, we know that. But he's a prophet. And so it helps when he's doing this kind of open heart surgery. It helps me for Mark to say, Jesus is love, he's loving this man right now. He's loving him by, by showing him there is a place. Maybe he was aware and maybe he wasn't. There is a place where I am not a good teacher to you because you're not willing to do what I'm telling you. I'm not your king. I'm not your master if you're not willing to do this. So Jesus, you remember Jesus was setting out on a journey. And, you know, the way I think about Jesus' call to us a lot of times is about going with Jesus on, on mission, going with Jesus where Jesus wants to go, to go be with him while he's doing the things that he does, to be a part of the work of the kingdom. That's a, that's a big part of what it means to say yes to Jesus, to submit to him as our king, is to go with him. And, you know, that going can look a, a lot of different ways. I mean, there, you know, I, I'm looking around this morning. I mean, there, there are many of us that are going with Jesus. And so going with Jesus could look like going downstairs with the kids. Um, you know, going with Jesus could look like going with Daka and Heather or John and Chi-Chi, Anna, to the campuses, the college campuses, and, and loving people. Um, it could mean, we, we've talked a lot about moms today. It could be being a mom, helping a mom. I mean, there's lots of different ways and that we can go with Jesus. But all of those require 
a sacrifice. All of those require us giving something up, even if it's just what else we would be doing with our time. And Jesus is, is pointing out to this man, not just your belongings, you need, to be, you need to be divested of your belongings, but they're holding you back from going with me to do the things that I'm doing, to preach, to teach, to heal, to restore. So sometimes... Sometimes love is like this. Um, sometimes love is, you know, a hard message. I mean, certainly, again, you know, moms and dads, we, see, we, we understand this, don't we? Um, sometimes love is establishing clear expectations and, and pointing out heart issues when they need to be addressed. So how does the man respond to Jesus pointing this out to him? Looking, looking deep inside and, 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 and pulling out the one, the one thing that maybe he's unwilling to do. Well, verse 22, uh, he was sad. And he went away grieving. So this is a very strong reaction of, of grief. And it says he owned many things, owned much property. So he, he owned a lot of property, and this was a, too hard for him today. And we don't know what happened. We don't know how long this man lived. We don't know whether at some point um, either the preaching of the word or the Holy Spirit in his life, like he ever, we never, we don't know. But at this, at this time, he went away sad. It was, it was diff, too difficult for him. So let's, let's pretend we're the disciples now. And the person that just came in, apparently, visually, ready to do whatever he needed to do, was given increasingly high standards by Jesus until he went away. And how would we have responded to that as Jesus' disciples? You know, how today would we respond to someone who... I'd really like to follow God. I'm willing to do all of these good things. And um, I've started doing them. But what, what, what else do I need to do? And how would we respond if we heard someone tell them, well, you need to sell everything and come with me? And then they left. Is that a gospel success? Is that a gospel failure? And again, I think this is, we really need to meditate on the words of Christ and how he's, re, how he's interacting with people. Because this is really deep and serious, I think. It's really, really deep. A moral man with lots of property falls down and asks how he can join the church, and he leaves sad. I, I, I wonder if I was his disciple, I would have thought, well... Um, I still have some things. <laughs> um, what, what, what do you, what, what does that, what does that mean for me? Um, but I also, we do have other examples. You know, I, I, I think of, and I think we've talked about this recently, but I think of, you remember the story of Zacchaeus? 
And you remember how he, he was a rich person who, who hadn't been really following the law of Jesus. And, and Jesus came and said, I'd like to come to your house. And, um, and Zacchaeus, through conviction and love, decided to follow Jesus and, and sell things and give money back and give, um, give his possessions away. So, you know, I, I think there's something there about how we respond to this open heart surgery that's important to remember that I don't, I don't think we see every time Jesus raising some standard that just drives people away. But he's, he's really opening up and, and poking into these places in our heart that sometimes aren't even, we're not even aware of. So what does Jesus say about this man? In verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. So the principle here that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples is how much of a hazard wealth is to our soul. It's, it's difficult. He says it's difficult. It's hard. He's, he's, he's not establishing some new workspace salvation. You know, you just, if you just sell your stuff, then you're in. Um, we have uh, already preached earlier on uh, 1 Corinthians 13 where we can actually give everything away and without love, it's of no use to us spiritually. So it's not about just actions. But is this surprising to us? Is it surprising to us? I mean, I, I know if we've heard the story, the story isn't new. But when we think about the world, when we think about the church, is it surprising to us that wealth is a big hazard? Wealth is... is makes it difficult for us to hear and follow our king. Um, that wealth is not necessarily a blessing. Those in, that, that those with money are not in a position to do more for God. That our leaders should not be selected from just the wealthy. That leaders in the church shouldn't expect to compile wealth as, as a sign of doing God's work and spiritual status. Is this surprising? I think, I think if we're honest with ourselves, it is still a bit surprising. Um, and certainly in our culture, it's surprising. And the disciples were amazed. It says in verse 24, they were amazed at his words. But Jesus wasn't finished. Just to, I just want to make sure you get this. Jesus says, I just want to make sure you, you're amazed already. I want to make sure you get it. Children, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So, so how hard is that? How hard, how hard is it for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? It's impossible. Now, I, was a, I, I have a degree in chemical engineering. So uh, some people would say that makes me a scientist. 
Some, some would disagree. So it is according to the classical laws of conservation of mass and probably quantum mechanics, it is impossible. But even in the last 100 years, there have been developments in science that would say, maybe if we could get the camel and the needle going at the speed of light, we might have a chance. Possibly. It could possibly happen. But, but Jesus says, with, with God, nothing's impossible. And, and I think part, part of this question is, you know, how, how do we see spiritual problems? How do we see them? Do we see them as mostly impossible? Or do we see them as always possible because of the power of God? So I think we did let the kids out this morning. But... Ask your kids, moms, great, great conversation today. Ask your kids, can a camel go through something this small? No. Could God put a camel through something that small? What do you think your kids would say? I mean, I think, I think our kids, up until the point where our training starts to take over, would say, yes, God can do it. And, and Jesus had, just in the verses before this, already said that if we want to enter if we want to enter the kingdom of God, we, we have to become like children. So this man who goes away sad, he goes away because he, he, it's too hard for him. It's, too, it's just too hard. And it is too hard. I mean, isn't it? I mean, how hard is it in our own power to sell everything we have, to give what we've earned to someone else? How hard is it for us to not trust in the things we've gathered, but to trust in God? How hard is it for us to keep our heart soft towards someone who abuses us or speaks badly of us? How hard is it for us to go with Jesus and leave behind relationships that are are precious to us? It is impossible. Unless, like a child, we know and believe that God can do anything. And this is, this is how we enter. Now, Peter asks a question. I think he's thinking about himself. The disciples are thinking, what does this mean for us? And they realize some of them did give up things to follow Jesus. Some of them left their, their houses, their families, their businesses. And Jesus says in verse 29, I say to you, there's no one who's left 
house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but they will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Before I was in God's family, I had one brother and one sister. And after I joined God's family, I have brothers and sisters all over the world that I've met. In um, the Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, South Africa, Ethiopia, Turkey, Austria, who are my brothers and sisters. And as the family of God, we share with each other our houses, our food. We give each other rides. And that multiplication, that trade from I have a biological family to I have a spiritual family, from I view what I've collected in my bank account and on my list of properties to I now am a child of the creator of the universe and everything that he's created, he offers to me. What do you need? What do you need, child? It's, 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 it's all available. So Jesus answers them and says, this is, this is actually what it looks like to come with me, is, is to leave what you've collected behind, to give up on that, that law of conservation, to, to leave it behind, and instead to accept my gift to you. And I, I love the song that we sing, that God's goodness is, is, is running after us. He's a, he's a good father, and he desires for us to have everything that we need. Now, Jesus does warn us that there will be persecution. So I like to read ahead when I particularly encounter things Jesus says that seem really difficult. As I'm wrestling with, did you really mean that? What? Did you really mean that? Like, like that, that seems really, really hard. I like to read ahead because, you know, we don't have to interpret Jesus' teachings uh, by ourselves in our room. Uh, we have 2,000 years of the history of the church to interpret what does it mean to follow Jesus. So I like to, I like to look ahead to Acts and to the epistles uh, the apostles that were sent out to be ambassadors of this message and to live it out. After they've received the Holy Spirit, what did they tell people? How did they explain this? If you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I see in Paul's instructions to Timothy here a clarification of Jesus' encounter with the rich person. So if you, if you look at verse 7, 
uh, starting in verse 6. So 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So again, we need to hear the warning of Jesus and the apostles about the danger. Money and the love of money is not the only danger to our soul. There are, there are many. There are many dangers to our souls. There are many things that we can love that would separate us from God. But we need to hear Jesus' words and Paul's words here that money and the love of money have a big danger. And we need to have a battlefront. We need a battle plan. We need to know how are we prepared to wage war, particularly in a wealthy materialistic culture, so that we are not shipwrecked, like Paul says many are. He tells Timothy in verse 11 to flee. Flee from these things. Run away. So we need to take it seriously. And then in verse 17, Paul tells Timothy, the elder of this church, to teach his church. So um, as an elder here, I am going to teach you. I'm going to teach the church. Verse 17, teach them. Those who are rich. So you don't have to raise your hand. But living in Houston in 2022, many of you are rich. And Jesus says, if you are rich, do not be conceited. Anything you have has come from the Father. Anything you have is because of God's love and care and provision for you. It's, it's, don't be conceited. Don't look at your wealth and think that it's a reflection of your superiority or spiritual status or maturity, because it's not. He says, do not fix your hope on what you have. We sang this morning that God is our hope. God is our hope. God is our hope. When we have trouble, God is our hope. When we're unsure, we need to go to God. Money is not our hope. It cannot save you and you may not have it tomorrow. Remember, your love for it may keep you from the kingdom of God. He says that if you're rich, you're to be generous. You're to share liberally. And don't just serve Jesus with your money and possessions, but with your time, doing good works. 
And living in this way stores up treasure in heaven, just as Jesus said. And, and you remember that even though Jesus here is making it very clear that salvation is hard to impossible for the wealthy, for those who own property, that it is just as hard and impossible for any of us. Salvation is something that God does. Salvation and humility to accept the kingdom is something that comes by the grace and the mercy of God. And let's, let's maintain a spirit of humility and gratitude for what God has done in calling us into the kingdom. Because each one of us that has entered the kingdom because of the grace and the mercy of God has been like a camel going through the eye of a needle. And thanks be to God that he created whatever rules there are that allow us in. This, this, uh, this spiritual miracle that happens when he brings us to him through our faith in Jesus Christ. So if, you, if you're here and you have not put your full trust in Jesus, I encourage you to hear God's call this morning and put your full trust in Jesus Christ. He's calling, he's calling each of us to be on a journey with him, to be a part of what he's doing. And, and yes, there are things we will leave behind, but there are so many things we gain when we trust him, we put our trust in him. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you for looking on this man and loving him, for showing him his heart, and for doing it so that we can read about it and we can hear about it. Lord, I pray that you would, for those of us who need to hear different parts of this message, I pray that you would help us to hear. God, I pray for your grace in all of our lives. I pray for your grace in my life, Lord, that you would show us how to follow you, how to put our full trust in you, that you would do surgery and show us, God, what is that one thing that's keeping us from the one thing you would help us to put our full trust in you and take this step to follow you. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.